This is a podcast by The Straits Times. When she talks about her boss, there are heart shapes in her eyes. Her eyes will twinkle and she will, she will gush about her boss. She will start to tell us stories that we have heard before. And she will continue on and on and on. Sometimes we have to stop her. Sorry, friend, you have really told us three, four times about the same story. Done. Do you have a friend like that? Or do you, yourself, have hearts and sparkles in your eyes when you talk about your boss? If you do, and your friends tell you, Hello, we've heard that all before. You know what you have. You have a crush on your boss. Welcome to this episode of Work Talk, a Street Times podcast to help you work smarter, think deeper, and get ahead in your work life. I'm Chris Wu, and you just heard from Ms. Lorey Ying. Reen is a Millennium Digital Marketing Manager with SG Tech. In this episode, we're talking about why workers fall in love with their bosses. Does it matter if we're infatuated with our managers? Does it happen more with male bosses than female ones? And does it happen more frequently among younger workers? We're joined by the CEO of OSI, psychologist Hita Doshi. The explanation of why we idealize our leaders and bosses could be traced back to the father of psychoanalysis, Sigmund Freud. What Sigmund Freud talked about was how actually then when you look up to an authority figure like a psychologist or a boss, sometimes people start falling in love with each other. It's all very natural, says Heta, to like leaders because, well, it's what makes them leaders. Leaders are told what you have to be charismatic. Of course you fall in love with people who are charismatic. Leaders are told that you need to inspire. Of course, you fall in love with someone who's inspired. Leaders are told to pay attention to their people. Of course, you're going to fall in love with that. Leaders are told to be supportive. It's everything that is part of attracting a group of people to you. So it seems like the odds are against us when it comes to not falling in love with charismatic bosses. But stop right there, say Rayin and Heta. We still need to draw a line. I, I think we still observe certain uh, boundaries. And I'm even more hesitant to be friends with my boss because I'm always aware that, you know, no matter how friendly you are, they're still your boss. What, when has it crossed the boundary when you begin to talk about this person uh, even out of context? Number one. Number two, when this person becomes the only one that can solve all of life's problems. If you can't draw the line, your boss had better be able to, says Heta. Nowadays, you know, leaders also need to be very empathetic. So when people start crying, what do you do? What are you allowed to do? Are you allowed to put your hand on their shoulders? Uh, are you allowed to give them tissue? Is your door open? Is your door closed? Is it a, you know, there's a lot of things to, to, to talk about. But I think maybe one thing that you can be very clear about as a leader, a, a male or female leader, is, is what you will never tolerate nor condone. So, uh, yeah, I think making it very clear that ethics and integrity is something that you subscribe to and that you've had a very clean record of that would be very important. It really is about creating that psychological safety. If both you and your boss are clear about what you can and cannot do, having love going around the office is perhaps not such a bad thing. I think unconsciously all of us are hoping to worship in something. All of us rely on something for us to have a sense of clarity, a sense of confidence. Uh, I think when the context is clear, when you say, I love my boss, there is no harm in that. When the context is very, very clear, like you know, everybody says, for example, yeah, I just love my team. Is, is it wrong for a boss to say, I love my team then? When the context is very clear and the relationships are very clear, the boundaries are very clear, and what is 
not acceptable is very clear. Uh, we can play. We, we, we can play. There are not too many things that are holding us back and we don't have to be extra cautious. I, so I don't think what, what we should dictate is what people can do, but I think what we should dictate is what people cannot do. So what you cannot do is one, two, three. And as a team, you can decide what is that. Because context is everything. Um, I, I can't imagine me not saying I love my team. I asked Rain, come the day when she becomes the boss, but she wants to be a rock star chief. So you have the CEO who come out and then they stage the town hall where they walk out to great applause and then there's like Mission Impossible music blaring in the background. The lady bosses who comes and then she gives you tough love. So they hold power and a lot of control over our happiness. The assignments that we get or the promotions that we get are all within their purview. So when you become a boss, do you want to be that person that people look up to? It, it sounds very scary to me. It sounds like a cult when you put it that way. I think that when you idolize someone, just like how um, you, know, you chase after a celebrity, you will just stop seeing the flaws. Or even if you see the flaw, you pretend it's not happening. So I think as, as a boss, you want people to provide constructive feedback when you're making certain moves that maybe might not be good for the organization. But if everyone idolizes you, everyone is like, oh, you're the best boss, you're the best, and you can do no wrong, then you might miss out feedback. I don't think anyone can be right 100% of the time. To a certain extent, it's good to be someone that inspires your employees. But you shouldn't, you shouldn't aim for people to idolize you. That might go into some murky waters. We talk about my impression that male bosses tend to get idolized more often than women. Rain had this question for Heta. Heta, I really want to ask you this question, which is that I read some studies that uh, as women uh, become very successful in their career, they are seen as less likable. But then there are some studies that contradict this. So is it true? And if it's so, why? Okay, so there was a study done through Harvard that, um, and, and this particular study was to assess how male and female were perceived in the workplace in the context of success and likability. Um, what was drafted was an exact same document about uh, how a person was behaving in the organization as a leader. The names were changed. One category of it was Howard and the other one was Heidi. And uh, this was given to two groups of people to evaluate uh, whether they considered this leader to be successful and whether they were considered to be likable. When the person was Howard, the leader named Howard was considered to be successful and likable for his traits on performance, productivity, and pushing things forward. Whereas these same behaviors were considered to be less successful in Heidi and definitely less likable. Howard doing the exact same thing was successful and more likable. Heidi, unfortunately, less successful and definitely not likable. The study was replicated among psychologists who also have a background in unconscious biases. Even they were unconsciously biased about it. So any female leader who wants to really succeed probably needs to figure out how best they can navigate a climate where performance and productivity is important However, um, they are expected to also deliver this through, in order to be likable while they're doing it, to do it in a way that is supportive and nurturing. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. 
And now back to our podcast episode. Welcome back to our conversation with psychologist Heta Doshi and marketing manager Lil Ray In. I'm a Gen X, which is the generation that entered the workforce from the 1980s. We had no social media, we observed hierarchy, and honestly, I don't think we had very high expectations of our bosses. If we were lucky to land a good job, we would try to stick it out and make something out of it. Is it different with the millennials? Compared to my parents' generation, there is a bit more distance between the kids and the parents. It's like the parents is the authority figure. Okay, whatever they say, you have to follow. But when it comes to my generation, we can poke back at the parents, at our parents, without facing serious repercussions. I think the same it goes for workplace. Nowadays, we don't always see our superiors as like authoritative figures. If we really don't like a boss, we wouldn't just obediently stay there and get and get tormented. We would just switch our jobs. But the reverse is true as well. If we really like a boss, we see the boss as our idols, we love our boss, we also stay in our job for our boss, right? So I was speaking, I was talking earlier about my friend who really admires her boss. So she's very, very rare of when it comes to my generation. She stayed in her job for more than 10 years because she wants to continue to learn from her boss. What exactly did her boss do to win such a loyal fan? She made an error at work. She's, she's very meticulous, but that one time maybe she was too tired. She was very scared. She told her boss, and her boss very coolly just said to her, small issue, leave it to me. Oh my goodness. I, I suddenly I felt, felt respect for her boss, even though I've never ever met her boss. Because some bosses, they tend to throw their staff under the bus when there's trouble, you know. And I think with that one gesture, that, that very simple sentence, no issue, I'll handle it. She has won the loyalty of my friend forever. We've been talking about romanticizing, idealizing our bosses. Is there a formula to turn the table around? Bosses are meant to be leaders. They are only as successful as their followers with them. You can't be a leader with no followers. I think the number one thing would be to, uh, to have the best leader-follower relationship that you could possibly do and extract as much information, as much wisdom, as much advice uh, that you could compared to anybody else. Great relationships lead to a lot better outcomes. As you become follower to a leader, you're also learning how to push boundaries with the leader and becoming their leader and allowing the boss to feel that they are excited to also be your follower, if that makes sense at all. So I think going from a great follower to then having a great relationship and then becoming a great leader would be the best thing forward. I actually think that if you love your boss, you're actually a very lucky person because most of us haven't had bosses that work out that way. In Rain's view, if you're that lucky, this is what you should do. Remember to pay it forward. Remember when you become a manager that you become a good boss as well. Why are we picking on bosses? <laughs> no, we're telling them that we love them. <laughs> right, in so many words. <laughs> I hope you have had as much fun listening to this episode of our Dear Boss as we did producing it. Thank you to Heta and Rayin, who are such fabulous guests. If you wish to read the column, Dear Friend, Are You In Love With Your Boss? 
We have the link below. Have a good work week. That was a podcast by The Straits Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O.